0: I'd like to say Happy New Year. I know I'm a little late, but uh, first time up here to be able to do that from this spot. Two weeks ago, Pastor Shep did that, and he called us as a church to Scripture. We are reading Scripture together from beginning to end. What a great call to do, to be people of one book from one God as God speaks to us his God-breathed word. And then last Sunday, Jin called us to prayer, to pray to the God who speaks to us. Do you see how the cycle works? God speaks, we speak. We listen, God listens. And it was so exciting for me to get an email this week and uh, hear that there were over 80 people in attendance online at our first weekly Zoom prayer meeting on Tuesday night, so I can't wait to see that number maybe double, right, 160 in a little bit, and I don't know, maybe Zoom gets maxed out. We have to do some Zoom plants. Is that a way to say it? Instead of church plants, we plant Zoom meetings. But that's, that's a, again, a great way to start 2021. So, as Pastor Jen told the uh, preaching pastors a few, well, last month, I guess, or so, when we start the new year, we're not going to start a new series yet. We're just going to kind of take a a pulse of where you feel Chelton needs to be in 2021. What's on your heart? So, uh, for Shep, it was scripture. For Jen, it was prayer. (laughs) They would ask me, No, I still don't have it yet. Because I'm a man of the Bible, and I believe in prayer, and I don't want to preach those two things again either. So I thought, Lord, what is it? I looked in my own heart and thought, what do I need? So here's what the Lord spoke to me about, and I I hope it's encouraging you today. And I I start with uh, when my wife and I take long trips on the interstate, Uh, I'll set up my phone with a map app, and you know how that works, right? It it gives you your view where you are, but it only gives you a few miles ahead. Uh, Last time we were doing this, my wife was on her phone, on her map app, but she looked like a 100 miles down the road. (laughs) And what she saw was that dark line that indicated, wow, there are miles of There's miles of backup on this road because there's an accident here. And she was able to creatively figure out an alternative route. We were able to get off before many people did and uh, follow that route and literally saved, no doubt, hours of just sitting there in a long backup. The difference was I was only looking at a small picture, and my wife had the big picture. And I tend to look at life like I look at my app. (laughs) I look at what's in front of me, my checklist, my to-do list, my problem-solving things, you know, the tyranny of the urgent. And then I get up the next day and do it all over again. I need to see God's big picture because I'm too short-sighted, and I think we're kind of all infected with that. So today, I would like to take us to Scripture and show us that the earliest church had the same problem. They had suffering going on. They were reacting to things that they didn't plan for, but they didn't have a short-term bubble that they lived in. They had God's big picture. So I start now then in the book of Acts. In a few minutes I'm gonna direct us to Acts chapter four if you wanna start looking there. Let Let me remind you of Acts chapter one, where Luke starts. Actually Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, part one, all that Jesus began to do and to teach until he was taken up into heaven. That's described in Acts chapter 1. Jesus died, Jesus rose, and Jesus returned to heaven from where he came. This time, he's credentialed as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's sitting with his father at his father's right hand. That's Acts 1. And Acts chapter 2 describes how the risen Lord gave the spirit to his people who are now born anew. This thing called the church, something brand new on planet Earth, where the old paradigms are now fulfilled in the people of God themselves. No more building temple, but people temples. And as God's spirit started to overflow and explode on that first day, Acts chapter 2 says that there were over 3,000 Jewish believers who put their faith in Yeshua, the Messiah. Acts chapter 3 continues this amazing story. Peter, the apostle who preached in Acts chapter 2, starts to go around the Jewish temple. He sees a disabled man that everybody had known for years, and he's wanting some shekels. Peter says, I don't really have enough money to give you for what you really need, but what you really need, I will give you. And he heals him on the spot, and the man goes dancing around the temple. An embarrassment to the authorities, but an advertisement for Jesus. And pretty soon, Peter again gives another explanation of what happened. This Jesus who died in this city, who rose in this city, is now reigning in heaven and giving his spirit and his salvation and even his healing to those that look to him. Well, Acts chapter 3 at the end describes, beginning in chapter 4 as well, that now the number of Jesus followers multiplies, so you've got at least 5,000 followers of Jesus in probably just a few short days or weeks. And now the temple authorities are really upset because they're losing business as shrewd people who know how to make money on the animal sacrifices they're not happening like they were because the one sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God, is the one that people are looking to. So they say, we've got to stop this. So they call in, they have the authority to do this under the Romans. They call in Peter and his associate John and they rough them up a bit. And they say, how dare you? Keep quiet. Acts chapter 4 is the first persecution of of the Christian church. And Peter and John say, you can tell us to be quiet, but we can't because Jesus is Lord. And that makes them even angrier. So they make some more threats, but then they, as shrewd people, know that if they put these guys in prison or kill them, they're making martyrs, which would explode the movement even more. So they say, look, all right, we're threatening you one more time. Keep quiet and get out of here. And that's the middle of Acts chapter four. And then they go back to their people. I'll pick up the reading in just a moment here. Um, That was what it was like to be a part of the early church in those days. Great, tough, Great because the freedom of sins is being proclaimed and experienced by people. They start to feel it with the Spirit in their hearts. They start to see miracles happening. And at the same time, pressure from the, quote, governing authorities. Stop it. Be quiet. We'll fire you from your job. Or who knows what. What kind of suffering has 2020 held for you? Jim invited us to go back and think this week. <laughs> yeah. What about this past year? Troubles, seems like so many people wanted to get rid of them by just flipping the calendar one day to a new year. We all know you can't do that. Suffering is part of just being human. I mean, you could say there's suffering that comes because it's our own fault. You know, you hit your thumb with a hammer and it hurts. You uh, don't study for your exam and you flunk, or you get a low grade. You uh, have a poor job performance review and you either get demoted or maybe you get fired. Things that you bring on yourself. There's other trouble that comes your way and it has no connection to you. You know, it's the branch that falls on your car. You just happen to be driving there, and the dead wood falls, smashes your windshield, and you're out a couple hundred bucks that your insurance doesn't cover. Or your boss. You didn't hire him, he hired you, but he's impossible to work for and please. Or if you switch it, maybe it's your employees who you find really difficult to manage. Or Maybe when it really hurts that you heard a friend slandered you. Or maybe it's sickness that comes your way. For sure you weren't looking for that, but the pain that you were afraid of now is far worse than you imagined. Or maybe it's death. And that really hurts when that friend or loved one is suddenly creating an empty hole deep down in your heart. And added to that, like this early church, there was what we call persecution. That is specific suffering that comes because you follow Jesus. The rest of this, what I just talked about, we live in a fallen world. Bad things always happen. And persecution might be coming our way even more in 2021. You ready for it? I know you experienced it, and you are experiencing it. So in the early church, I'd like to read to you what they said and what they did when here's Peter and John. They come back kind of beaten up verbally, if not physically, and they start to tell this small Christian church, they just told us to be quiet unless and until they, and then fill in the blank. What, what, what do you think the church did? Now some of you know what I'm gonna read here in a minute, but if you didn't know, you think they complained about the harassment? Maybe posted pictures of what it was like with these authorities? You think they uh, pooled their money to get some legal counsel to help them sue the authorities back, get their rights restored? Or maybe they could have stayed home. Like, well, if that's how they're going to treat my leaders, (laughs) no way I'm going to tell people I'm a Christian. I don't have that kind of courage. Well, I invite you now to turn with me to Acts 4, beginning in verse 23. I'm going to read down through verse 31, and here's what this group of Christians did when they heard what happened. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, Our father David, why do the nation's rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, please consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal, to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the whole place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That's what they did. What? They heard it and they prayed. And this long prayer is kind of Imbalanced here. I mean, they don't start by saying, God, this is terrible news. Please. No. It's imbalanced because two-thirds of the prayer, they're talking to God, but they're talking to God about their God. They're praising him for who he is. Could I say they are talking about God God's big picture. They heard the story of suffering and persecution and they didn't run with that. They ran to God. So let's let's look at this. Man, we can learn from this. The first thing they start with in their prayer is, God, you made everything. You're the creator. They actually call God God a very unique Greek word, sovereign Lord. It embodies the idea of creator and ruler. And here they start by saying, you know, before we complain or before we ask you to do something, just take a step back and realize that we're here on this earth as part of God's creatorship. Now, where did they get that from? They knew their Bibles. They knew that in Genesis chapter one, the beginning of the Bible, it starts there. That's where you have to start. We are not God. We are creatures and only God is the creator. In fact, a little plug here for Bible 101. You've heard us talk about this. This is our online six week through the Bible course coming this Thursday night, if you haven't registered for it, check it out. It's a one-hour Zoom class taught by Jake Fairfield. That's where he will start. That's where you have to start. That's the greatest place to start because it means that we are not fundamentally in charge of this universe, even though we think we are. What rest this brings to our souls just to say, God... You made everything because the implication that flows down from it is if you made it, it is not making you. You made it and you can control it, and you made me. I'm resting in you as creator. That's the way to start the big picture. But then they go on and and they say in verse 25, You spoke. So God is not the God of the make everything and walk away. He's the God of make everything and continue to speak and tell your creatures what's going on. God spoke. Here it says, through David, by the Holy Spirit. And then they quote, did you see that? They actually quote Psalm 2. How about that? They are praying back to God what God had spoken to them. Not reminding God, hey, uh, did you forget this? No, they are reinforcing their big picture, and they're reminding themselves and God that what God spoke about in Psalm 2 is really true. Well, what did Psalm 2 say? Why do the nations oppose God? Well, that's not a very happy story. I mean, couldn't they have picked something more pleasant that you maybe find in a kid's Bible story book, you know, they all lived happily ever after with God and Jesus type of story? Why, why, Why such a, almost a belligerent tone to this? Well, that's because if you go back to the beginning of the story, That's the way God says history will run. There's a conflict going on. There's a battle happening between God and the forces of evil, between the holy triune God and the devil who brought sin into this world to start with. God is not going to let the devil have the last word. And he has put enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, and he predicts that one day that skull-crusher son of the woman would have victory. And they quote David, who in his day was experiencing that as God's anointed king. Every king in Israel was specially anointed to represent God on earth and he was facing the opposition from the ungodly nations. Do you see it? There's a war on. And then they draw the next connection. They go a 1,000 years to what happened a few weeks ago. Herod, king of the Jews, Pontius Pilate, Roman governor, they both met to conspire to kill God's anointed, the Messiah. Now, you see what they just did? They had a big picture of life informed by Scripture. That's why we're reading the Bible together. Because that tells us the real big picture. And then, I read this and I I, I scratch my head. I say, how could they pray this? And I'm I'm talking about what they say there in verse 28, where they talk about God as the one, well, I'll just read it. They did, Herod and Pontius Pilate, what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Did I read that right? It sounds like God caused this, but in the verse before, it said Herod and Pontius Pilate did it. So which one is it? Well, yeah, it's both. Well, hold it. Doesn't that take them off the hook? Doesn't that give them no moral culpability? No, they are responsible as free human beings to do the evil they did. Okay, good. No, that's that's not all. God decided that they should do it. And now you're up with a thousand questions of uh, predestination and free will and who and what and when and where and why. And I say, that's not why God told us this. That's not why Christians believe in the sovereignty of God so they can figure everything out. You'll never be able to figure that out. Give it up. You're given this wonderful truth of God's absolute sovereignty as a balm for your soul, as a medicine for your worry and despair. God is God. Yes, in 2020, he was God. Yes, in 2021, he is God. And I know you feel trapped in a bubble, this small picture of this wacky combination of COVID and national unrest and financial turmoil and governing authorities at odds with God's authority, as well as personal tragedies. Some of you have experienced health struggles, sickness, family issues go on, right? Your God, if that's all you see, your God is too small because the real God sees it all, controls it all, and is with you through it all. So if you feel trapped in that, that small frame of your picture, destroy the frame. <laughs> and rebuild the real one. That's what these Christians did when they prayed. It just came out of them when they prayed. God is creator. God is revealer. God is sovereign ruler. That's who we're coming to. We sang it. Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. Those are not just words in a song. They are truths to knit to your soul. Remember I said the prayer was imbalanced? So (laughs) here's the end of it. And the end of it is, and God, we'd like to ask you for something. So (laughs) after all of that, what would you think they would ask for? Like justice, retribution, No, verse 29, give us boldness to speak your word. Verse 30, do powerful works of healing in the name of Jesus. Uh, Let me get this straight here. So these people were told not to speak and they pray that they would speak more boldly. (laughs) Yeah. These people were not afraid then of the threats that were made for the leaders that spoke. They pray that they can speak right. And they don't pray for vengeance and political reformation. No, they don't. And neither should we. We should pray like them. The priority of our prayers should be, God, help us to see your big picture, what you're doing in the world, and let's get on board with that. So let me just suggest that, okay, what are we going to speak about? I got a lot to complain about. Well, as a Christian, you've got a lot to talk about. Let's just take COVID. What about COVID? Oh, well, it's, no, 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 no. Think about what is the gospel view of COVID? Well, first of all, it smashes the idolatry of health. <laughs> yeah, you think you're in shape? You will one day die. You will get sick. Your body is not a statue. You're not a robot, at least not yet, right? <laughs> We're not there yet, I hope. Um, So what does that mean? You are frail and mortal. What a great reminder. God, thank you for reminding me that someday I will die. Maybe I should get prepared for this. So when we see God's big picture of the virus, we're able to talk like a gospel person talking about the virus. The reality of it, sure. The danger of it, sure but the hope underneath it for sure. What about financial suffering that will come or maybe has come? Well, you know what's good about that? It smashes the idol of financial security. I mean, uh, Pastor Jin talked last week about the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, really, Got enough bread in our freezer for a month. Do we seriously pray for tomorrow's food? We can go down the road and get enough? Well, so what about that idol? So let it topple, let it get cracks in it. Sure, because our dependence ultimately is on God and his people. This opens doors to other people when we talk about the financial struggles that we're having or other people are having fun. It gives us an opportunity to talk, to speak, and maybe to share and help. What about the political turmoil that's going on even today? I think it's helping to reveal the idol of nationalism above the gospel. Whatever nation you're from, in America, we're starting to see in Christians a struggle about nationalism and where is the place of my heavenly citizenship in in light of my earthly citizenship. Good. It's a struggle. And it's good to talk about it and define it. But if the nation becomes our God, then it's out of place with our true relationship to our God. And hopefully we will see the limitations on elections and laws that are good, but they only restrain sin. They don't transform the sinner. So it's a question of perspective and priority. And so when we talk about the government, sure, research, take a stand. But remember that only God can change hearts from the inside out through the good news of Jesus. And remember too that nations come and go. If you go back to the Bible, you go to the book of Daniel, you'll see some stories there about a statue and each each part of the statue represent different nations throughout history. Every nation that has ever existed has crumbled and been replaced by another. Only the kingdom of God lasts forever. So, are you ready to do some talking, some speaking? I just thought I'd share with you two examples of what happened to me just in the last few weeks. I like to take walks, I think you know that, in our neighborhood and in a preserve near our house. And uh, one day I was walking and met one of our neighbors who's a dog walker, we have a lot of them, and uh, we struck up a little conversation then, and he said, hey, I see you out here a lot, you want to walk sometime? And my first instinct was, hey, I like to guard my time. This is my time to meditate and pray <laughs> and listen to things. Can you imagine? There's my evil heart. So I said, sure, let's plan it. And, and we did, we took a walk up into the preserve one day and talked, started to get to know each other. And I look forward to building more in that relationship with my neighbor and friend. And this week, I was contacted by my rabbi friend up the road at the synagogue. And he said, I know it's late notice, but would you be part of a confirmation class with 10th graders at our synagogue and tell us what your church believes? (laughs) Can you believe that? And I of course said, sure, when, where, I'll do it. And of course it was Zoom, but uh, it was amazing. Tuesday night for about an hour, with two rabbis there uh, feeding me questions, and about eight or nine students listening and asking me questions. And uh, I said I wanted to do two things. I wanted to show, I said this to myself, Lord, give me the strength to say that Christianity has Jewish roots. Jesus was Jewish, and the early church was Jewish, and the New Testament was written largely by Jewish men, and I believe in the Jewish Messiah, and I was able to say that. In fact, they asked me, because I was using my iPad with my Bible program, (laughs) could you show us how your Bible has our Bible in it? (laughs) All these great questions. And then I said, Lord, I want to be able to tell them about Jesus in a way. So I said, how is it these Jewish followers of Jesus uh, thought he was the Messiah. Like, why would they do this? Thousands of them. I said, it was because he resurrected from death. And I thought, you know, I just let that sit there. And that's true, that's what this passage in Acts tells us. And that was a moment, it was like a little less than an hour, he texted me back the next day, hey, can we do this again sometime? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Well, praise God for that opportunity. Just talking. That's how the gospel goes out. So, friends, may, may we ask God to make 2021 the year when we see less of our small picture and more of God and his big picture. The year when we spend less time in front of a screen and more time in front of God's throne. The year when we take less time trying to control our lives and more time thinking about God's control over our lives. And the year when we speak less about our suffering and complaining and we speak more boldly about the suffering of Jesus who died and rose for us. Amen. Lord, I thank you for our brothers and sisters and their example to us 2,000 years ago. We want to be much more like the early church. So give us the big picture from your word. May we talk to you incessantly in prayer And may we boldly tell everybody we come across your big picture of redemption through the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.